Last week, we saw the risen Lord concealed from two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were heading home on Sunday afternoon discussing the events of the weekend when the recently risen Christ joined them. And for some reason, they didn't know who he was. All the text tells us is that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. It doesn't say why or how they were prevented from recognizing him or who might be responsible for their spiritual blindness. We noted that it's possible that God himself had taken the responsibility of covering their eyes. That Jesus didn't want them to recognize him until he had the opportunity to answer the questions that they were pondering about his death. And as Jesus talked with them, it did become evident that they had some major misconceptions about the nature of the Messianic kingdom and that their unfilled expectations had saddened them greatly. Their hopes had been dashed when the one they had hoped to be the Messiah had been killed. Even when they heard the report of the women and the angel's declaration that he was alive, they didn't believe it. They dismissed the women's encounter with the angels as a vision and their report as nonsense. So maybe God wasn't responsible for their spiritual blindness. Maybe it was their own disillusionment that prevented them from recognizing Jesus. They had given up and therefore were not expecting to see him. Or maybe they were blinded by a spiritual enemy. That the one who blinds the minds of unbelievers had a hand in their false expectations and unbelief. But whatever the case, they weren't left in the dark for long. And this morning we're going to see the risen Lord revealed to them. At some point in their encounter with the risen Lord, their eyes were opened. And while they indeed had an aha moment when they recognized him, I think we're going to see that he was actually revealed to them in several stages. That he was revealed to them in scripture, in hospitality, in worship. And in fellowship, that he was, in fact, revealed to them in the same way he is revealed to us today. And that revelation begins in Scripture. We're in Luke, the 24th chapter. Jesus is speaking. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? When the disciples didn't recognize him, Jesus didn't say, hey guys, it's me, Jesus. Had he done that, they would have said, no way, no way, he's dead. Instead, Jesus began by laying a foundation that would enable them to recognize him. He had to clear up some misconceptions that had contributed to their blindness. They had wrong ideas about the Messiah and the nature of his kingdom. They were quite honestly disillusioned with Jesus. 
and the disillusionment that blinded them had come from a partial knowledge of what the Scriptures had to say about the Christ. So Jesus took them back to the Scriptures for another look. And this time he wanted them to see and believe all of it, not just the parts they liked, you know, like us. They had a tendency to focus on favorite passages and ignore others. And isn't it true that we do tend to focus more on the promises than the obligations, more on the privileges than the responsibilities? We read and even memorize the scriptures we like and skip over the passages we don't like. To do so with God's word is obviously foolish. But that's what these two had apparently been doing, and Jesus called them out on it. Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. They obviously believed the great messianic text in Isaiah 9, 6-7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. But somehow they had missed what Isaiah said about the suffering servant. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. How could they miss it? How could they not expect the Messiah to suffer, to be pierced through, to be crucified? How could they miss it? But they did. They did. And so before doing anything else to reveal himself, Jesus made sure they understood all the scriptures had to say about him. And beginning with Moses, he took them through all the pertinent prophecies. He had to straighten up their thinking about him before they would be able to recognize him. They would have to understand all of scripture before they would recognize the one who had come to save them from their sin. And that is where we must start if we would see Jesus today. We begin with a thorough examination of the Scriptures. We learn all that is said about him in Scriptures. And then we know what to expect. We know what to look for and where to find him. If we would have a clear vision of Jesus, we must get into his word. 
But Jesus is not only revealed on the written page. He's also revealed in flesh and blood through acts of hospitality. Now, this one might surprise you a bit. Verses 28 and 29. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go further. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. As they approached the village, the two disciples headed into Emmaus. But Jesus didn't give any indication that he had arrived at his destination. In fact, it appeared that he was going further. Now, when Luke says he acted as though he would go further, he isn't suggesting that Jesus was play-acting, that he was simply pretending to go on. If the disciples had not invited him to stay, I believe he would have gone on. And if they hadn't urged him to stay with them, they may have never realized that it was Jesus who was walking with them. In Hebrews 13.2, we read, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. By extending hospitality to the three men who came by his tent, Abraham unknowingly entertained angels and the Lord himself. And Jesus had something pretty amazing to say about encountering him in acts of hospitality. In Matthew 25, we read, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Our acts of hospitality and benevolence are actually done to Jesus. We should therefore see the face of Jesus in everyone to whom we minister. And that means if we would have a clearer picture of Jesus, we will have an open heart and an open home. Now, I think Jesus revealed himself more clearly to Mark and Tina a week ago last Friday. In the face of Carlos and his mother. As they were traveling to Jacksonville for a family gathering, they were talking about the need to reach out to others. And a mile past New Berlin, they passed a young man pushing a car alongside of the road. They looked at each other and agreed this was an opportunity to do what they'd been talking about. They went back and met. Carlos. He and his mother were on their way from the Chicago area to Kansas City so she could help care for a new grandchild. But the car had died, and Carlos said he was pushing it 
to the next town. Mark explained that the next town was miles away and offered to call for help. When he suggested that the police might be able to help, Carlos said he didn't have a driver's license. So that avenue of help was closed. Mark and Tina then offered to take them into New Berlin to see if they could locate a mechanic. When one couldn't be found, they made several calls and found the nearest one was back in Chatham. After having the car towed, it was discovered that the repairs would be extensive and couldn't be done that evening. Long story short, Carlos and his mother spent the night with the Hubers. And I have no doubt that Carlos and his mother saw Jesus in their home. I also believe, however, that the Hubers were made to see Jesus more clearly through the hospitality they extended. And the disciples wouldn't have been able to recognize Jesus if they hadn't opened up their home to him. And Jesus said our acts of hospitality to others are actually being offered to him. That our acts of hospitality enable us to minister to Jesus himself. In opening up our hearts and our homes, we will therefore be able to see the risen Lord in flesh and blood. It's amazing. It's not to say, however, that hospitality in and of itself is the final word in seeing Jesus in our midst. If we would see him clearly, we must go from simple hospitality to worship. Verses 30 and 31. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Now, some see in this a picture of communion. And the risen Lord is obviously revealed in the Lord's Supper. There's no indication, however, that this was a celebration of the Lord's Supper. It appears to be a simple meal. Jesus did do something, however, that made this into more than just a meal. Following Jewish tradition, he broke the bread and blessed it. He prayed. He thanked God. And in asking God to bless the bread, he was promising to use the strength received from it in ways that honored him. If he hadn't so quickly departed, he probably would have then led them in the singing of a psalm or two. In short, he turned mealtime into a time for thanksgiving and worship. Now, as to why Jesus was acting as host, we can only surmise. It's probably because they thought of him as a rabbi. After all, he'd been teaching them the scriptures as they walked along the road. And it was traditional to invite a visiting rabbi to lead the blessing at a meal, like many do today when the preacher's been invited to dinner. Anyway, when Jesus took the bread 
and blessed it and broke it and started passing it out, their eyes were opened. They recognized him. Now, some have suggested that they noticed the scars on his hands as he passed out the bread, but there's no indication of that in the text. They did, however, recognize him. And as soon as they did, he vanished from their sight. Now, why? Because he'd accomplished what he wanted. He had dealt with their misconceptions about the Messiah, and once he had been recognized, his physical presence was no longer required. They now knew he was alive, and they knew he could be with them in spirit. Now, you know, we use that term loosely today. You know, when someone's on vacation, we say they're here with us in spirit. This goes far beyond that. They knew he could actually be with them in spirit. They had recognized him in worship and now knew he would always be with them in worship. The same is true for us. When we worship, whether it be in this place or around a table at home, we have a heightened sense of his presence. When we intentionally think about him, when we talk to him, when we offer up praise to him, when we worship him, we see him clearly through the eyes of faith. We see the risen Lord in acts of worship. But even worship is not the end of it. His presence is further confirmed in fellowship. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen. He has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. As soon as Jesus left, they began discussing their common experience with him, how their hearts were burning within them as he was revealing himself to them in the scriptures. And in worship, the next thing they had to do was share their spiritual experience with others. So they left the food on the table and headed back to Jerusalem that very hour. When they found the apostles, they couldn't wait to share with them what their encounter with Jesus. But they had to. Before they could say anything, the apostles shouted out, The Lord has really risen! He's appeared to Simon! They hadn't believed the women, but they believed Peter. They hadn't yet all seen him, but they knew he was alive. Cleopas and his companion were then able to tell of their experiences. We know, we know, we saw him too. You can feel the excitement 
in the room as they shared with each other their experiences with Jesus. And no doubt in those moments, their picture of Jesus sharpened. The same is true for us. As we meet together with fellow believers and share our personal experiences with Jesus, we all gain a more complete picture of him. In fellowship, we get a better view of Jesus and a more complete revelation of what he is doing in our midst. If we would have the risen Lord revealed to us today, we must look for him in the scriptures, in hospitality, in worship, and in fellowship. And in looking for him, he will reveal himself to us. And as he reveals himself to us, we must invite him in to our life. For only when he is an invited guest will he be able to fully reveal himself to us. It's my prayer that the risen Lord has revealed himself and is revealing himself to you. Even now, as we fellowship, as we worship, as we study his word together. Thank you.